Thank you to our band, and thank you all for being here with us. As I mentioned earlier, we are in the midst of a series, a six-part series called The Truth About Church. And, as the name indicates, this is a message series all about church. And we do this a lot as a local church. We are a church that talks a lot about what it means to be a church because we, the people that make up the church, so often lose sight of what it means to be the church. We need to be reminded. We need to be reminded about what our priorities should be, what our mission is, what we're working toward. What's the point of all this? We need to be reminded of our point and our goal. Vision as a church, and our vision statement is engaging in the mission of God for the sake of the lost. Engaging in the mission of God for the sake of the lost. And we believe in God. We believe in the God of the Bible. And we believe that this God is on a mission, and it is a rescue mission to save and redeem those who are far from Him, also known as the lost. And so we are a church that exists for the sake of people who aren't already Christians, because if you're already a Christian, you can connect anywhere. But if you're new to this whole thing, seeking answers, wondering about Jesus, wondering about the Bible, wondering about the afterlife, and have some questions, like, we want to be here for you. But come on in. You don't need to know anything about any of this stuff before you walk into this space. We are here for you. Entry-level church stuff, right? We are engaging in the mission of God, not for our own sake, but for the sake of the lost. And I've realized that this is a concept that so many of us Christians, like, love, at least in theory. (laughs) At least in theory. We can love this idea of being there for the lost, but when we put this into practice, we start to realize how messy it can be. We're going to worship with people who have such different values from us, so they don't know anything about the Bible, or they're living so far from God, or they're different from us. And it's like, oh, it gets really, it gets really messy. It also requires sacrifice to be a church that's engaging in the mission of God for the sake of the lost. That means that we give up some of the things that we might want out of our church experience for the sake of making the gospel more easily accessible to people who aren't already saved. And so when we realize, when we Christians, when we realize how messy it is, and how much sacrifice is required, sometimes, sometimes we can shy away from actually living out this mission, engaging in God's mission for the sake of the lost. But we are not going to back away. We're going to lean into the mess, and we are willing to sacrifice if it's going to make the gospel more accessible for people who don't already know Jesus. Last week, we talked about this, this thing that I call the love formula, and how if you're going to love other people, You need two ingredients. You need grace and you need truth. When we look to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, John tells us that Jesus was filled not with one or the other, but he was filled with both grace and truth. Grace is compassion, grace is understanding. That's grace. Truth is truth. Truth is acknowledging that there is such a thing as wise and foolish, right and wrong, beneficial and and detrimental. Truth is the, is the fact that there is such thing as sin. And so Jesus was filled with both grace, meeting people where they are, having compassion for their circumstances, understanding their, their role in life, all of that, grace and truth. And Jesus never compromised one for the sake of the other because you don't have to, and neither do we. We are a grace and truth church. And when we go all in on grace, which is what we will do and will continue to do, when we go all in on grace, we run a risk, Right? We run the risk of some people calling us maybe unbiblical, but that's a baseless accusation. We're not going to worry about it, right? And when you go all in on grace, sometimes people might accuse you of condoning sin, which which we're not doing, right? 
You only are condoning sin if you actually are telling someone, oh, no, keep on sinning. That's great. Now that's, but if we're being gracious, that's not, that doesn't equal condoning sin. And so we're going to go all in on grace, and we're not going to worry about those basic accusations, right? We're not going to worry about that. Same with truth. When you go all in a truth, people might call you unloving. They're wrong. That's baseless. They're wrong, right? When you go all in a truth and tell people what they're doing is unwise or just outright wrong, they might accuse you of being unloving. They might accuse you of being judgmental. But that's a baseless accusation. We're not going to worry about that. We're going to go all in on both of these things, and we're not going to compromise one for the sake of the other because... You need both if you're really going to love other people. And that's what Jesus has called us to do, to love one another. Today's message is called Unbiblical Preaching. Over the past 10 years, uh, as the pastor of Hope Community Church, I've received a little bit, just a a little bit of complaining, maybe a little bit of criticism about my preaching. Not, not, Not that much, because for the most part, if someone doesn't like the preaching, they just go to a different church. Isn't that how that works? So I've got a little bit of criticism, a little bit of complaining. Um, overall, I feel like complaining about the sermon. Isn't that something you do on the way home from church in the car with your spouse? Isn't that how that works, right? What was that guy talking about today, right? So overall, I haven't received a lot of that, but I have received some questions. And I mentioned in week one of the series that I love questions. I love questions because when you ask questions, that tells me that you're not making up your own answer. You're not inventing your own situation and spreading rumors. You're actually asking questions. And so one of the questions that I've been asked probably five or six times over the years is I've been asked, hey, pastor, why don't you preach biblically? Pastor Josh, why don't you preach biblically? Now, at first, I was a little perplexed by that question because I thought I was preaching biblically, right? But I think I've cracked the code on what people mean when they say that, right? What people mean when they say, why, why aren't you preaching, preaching biblically? It turns out that preaching, this thing I'm doing right now, giving a sermon, giving a message, giving a homily, giving a talk, whatever you want to call it, it turns out that preaching is something that Christians can have very strong opinions about. In week two of this series, I talked about the fact that, that all of us who are Christians, we have this this, this situation that's unavoidable. All of us who are Christians, especially here in America, our first concept of church is really based on experience and then preference. And so many of us Christians, we walk through our Christianity and we have this concept of church that's really not based on Scripture, but it's based on experience and preference. I know what I know and I like what I like, right? And we define church in that way when we really should look to Scripture to define what church is supposed to be about. And so it turns out that so many of us Christians can have some very specific ideas about what church should be that really aren't based on Scripture at all. We can have some very definite opinions about, well, this is what programming should look like, and this is how we should serve our community, and this is how we should approach worship, and this is how we should approach music, and this is how we should preach and teach. We can have all these very, very definitive opinions about things, but it turns out that not necessarily based on Scripture. Preaching is the same way. People have some very definite opinions about preaching, but really not based on the Bible, but just based on what they've experienced and what they like. Now, to have a preference when it concerns all of these things, including preaching, to have a preference, something you like, is not necessarily a bad thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Let me give you an example of the kind of thing I'm talking about. Um, Several years ago, going back probably 15 years, I had a friend of mine who introduced me to Tim Keller, all right, not personally, just introduced me to the written works 
of Tim Keller. He gave me a copy of a book, and I read it. I'm like, oh, this guy's fantastic. And so I'm reading his books, and then beyond reading his books, I started to listen to his sermons, which are fantastic. And so I uh, was talking to this friend who introduced me to Keller, and I uh, was talking about, yeah, I'm listening to this message series that he did a long time ago, blah, blah, blah. And my friend tells me, oh, I don't, I don't listen to his preaching. I don't like Tim Keller's preaching. And I was like, what? You don't like Tim Keller's preaching? He's like, no, I don't like his preaching. I mean, I like his books. I like him as an author. I just don't like his preaching because he packs all these ideas into his messages. And I'm like, well, okay, fair point, right? I've said before that if I was going to attempt to preach one of Tim Keller's sermons, it would take me probably 10 weeks to cover one of his sermons because he just packs them in with so much information. I'd have to make it into bite-sized pieces. So, so yeah, I get it. And it's okay. It's okay that I have a friend that does not prefer that style of preaching. That's okay. What's not okay is to accuse someone of doing something wrong or unbiblical just because you don't like it or you don't get it or you've never experienced it before. That, that is wrong. Does that make sense, right? It's okay to not like something, but it's not, it's not okay to make those baseless accusations just because you don't like something. Are you with me? Does this make sense? Okay, we're tracking together. And so here's what I like to do. I like to talk to you about what preaching can be and should be according to Scripture. And what we're going to see is that when it comes to preaching, different preachers have different goals, what they're trying to accomplish. I mean, there is a point to this whole thing that I'm doing right now. There is a point, and there are some goals that different preachers have. But before we get to that, let's take a look at this passage that Kelly read for us. It's in your bulletin. It's from 2 Timothy. And so this is Paul, who wrote most of our New Testament. He is writing a letter to Timothy, who was his son in the faith, not his biological son, but someone that he mentored. And Timothy, even though he's a young man, he's stepping into this role, he's becoming a pastor. And when you're a pastor, one of the things you have to do is, is preach. And so Paul is giving some counsel, some instruction to, to Timothy. <clears throat> in the presence of God, he says, and of Christ Jesus, who will, will judge the living and the dead, and in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, okay? So Paul is not mincing words. He's saying, this is what you have to do. He says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. In other words, be prepared all the time. This is part of your calling. This is what you need to do. You need to preach the word. Be prepared at all times. Preparation, just from a practical standpoint, preparation is, is a big deal. I'm looking out. And so many of you know what it's like to sit up here, you know, to stand up on this stage and to preach. Um, I love getting you up here for multiple reasons. Um, one of the reasons is just so you can see that it's, it's not as easy as it looks, right? <laughs> to come up here and to sit in this seat. But you know how much preparation is required for that. A lot of prep time goes, in, goes into these things. In our first couple years as a church, um, I talked to a guy who assume that I just stand up here and I kind of riff for like 30 minutes. I'm like, well, no, no. Like, I write this stuff down and I practice and I memorize. And like, I'm not just riffing up here, right? And so Paul says, Timothy, you got to be prepared. You have to be prepared. <clears throat> and here's what, here's what preaching is. I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season, out of season. Correct. Rebuke. Those words are connected. Right? 
That's part of what's supposed to be accomplished in the preaching time, to correct, right? When you're the pastor of a congregation, you're supposed to be overseeing what's happening. In fact, the term overseer and shepherd and pastor, they're all synonymous, right? And so the pastor's supposed to be looking what's going on in the life of this congregation and correct when necessary and rebuke. Isn't that a fun word? I rebuke thee. Rebuke if necessary. You've got to be prepared to do this. You've got to correct. You've got to rebuke, Timothy. And here's the one we like. Encourage. That's what's supposed to happen, too, during that preaching time, to encourage where we need to be encouraged, to guide where we need to be led. Give that encouragement with great patience and careful instruction. All right, a little self-assessment. Sometimes I drop the ball when it comes to great patience. You know what I mean? <laughs> Get a little bit of frustrated. Preaching on this topic, why isn't anybody listening? Oh, just be patient. Be patient, right? So Paul says to Timothy, be patient in this with careful instruction. Don't just wing it when you stand up there and talk. Carefully, carefully instruct the people. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Let's pause there for a moment. Sound doctrine. Let's um, do a little exercise. Um, if you currently possess unsound doctrine, please stand up. Oh, look, no one. So we all possess sound doctrine? How about that? Fantastic. That's wonderful, right? This is part of the problem with this whole sound doctrine thing. There's a church just down the street, right? And they have a very different doctrine than us, that they think they're sound, and we think we're sound. There's a church just down that way. They have a different doctrine than us, and they think they're sound, and we think we're sound. Well, we can't all be right. So defining sound doctrine is an issue. Because you can walk into a situation and say, well, clearly I possess sound doctrine. I've been at this Christianity thing for a while. Well, yeah, is your doctrine, are your beliefs about God actually based on Scripture? I mean, that's, that's the tool that we use to determine whether a doctrine or idea, a belief, is sound or not. Does it align with Scripture? For a time will come when people not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, but this is great. Did you love this? Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Oh, you like that? You like that too? Ooh. Just tell me what I want to hear, right? Just a few weeks ago, we talked about this pandering thing. What do these politicians do? They pan. They pick a group and pander to them, right? And Jesus never pandered to anybody, right? Who wasn't concerned about telling people what they wanted to hear? But you can do that, right? Something happens, something happens in this one local church. You show up on a Sunday morning to worship, right? And I'm up here, or somebody's preaching up here, and you don't like what they have to say, and maybe what they're saying actually is sound doctrine. You can just walk out that door, and you can find somebody else. Scratch those itching ears. Just tell me what I want to hear. Paul tells Timothy, don't do that. That's not the business that we're in. They will turn their ears away from truth and turn aside to myths. This is the time that we're in right now. If you want to find somebody to tell you what you want to hear, it's not a difficult thing to do, but I do feel like you should know that it's not my job to scratch your ears, right? Not figuratively, 
and not literally, okay? I'm not doing it. That's not, that's not my job. It's not my job to tell you what you want to hear. It's not my job as preacher to affirm and to validate. That's not the business that I'm in. Now, I, there are other preachers who will do that for you, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one of them. <laughs> so let's talk about the point, the goal, the goal of preaching. When someone stands up to preach, what, what are their goals? I've observed that there are at least four goals when it comes to preaching. Somebody stands up to give a message, to give a sermon, to give a homily. What are they trying to do? And one of those goals is affirmation. Sometimes a preacher stands up to preach, and that you can tell that's their goal. And I get it. That's not necessarily, in and of itself, a bad goal. Because let's face it, life is tough, right? You want to walk into a space and go to a worship service and sing some uplifting songs, and then hear someone say, listen, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. What you're doing is okay. Don't you like affirmation, right? There are times when that affirmation is legitimate and you need that little pep talk or whatever it is, that little positive affirmation, and then send you on your way. Okay, that's a goal. Some preachers, that's their goal when they stand up to preach is to give you a little bit of a whoop, whoop, out you go. A little positive, positive affirmation. That's, That's a goal. But I believe there are better goals. Some preachers, when they stand up, their goal is to teach the Bible to people. To teach the Bible Two people. And so that pastor will spend a week doing their research, diving into a passage, studying, cross-referencing, looking to commentaries, learning about the history, and then they'll have this report that they're left with. And then on Sunday morning, they stand up and they present their report to, to an audience, right? And I think that's a really good goal. I think that's a good goal. Do your homework, figure it out, and then give your report to the people. Now, the emphasis on this kind of preaching is on the Bible, not so much the people understanding what you have to say. (laughs) Have you heard preaching or teaching like this? I'm going to drop a name for you. Les Feltick. Anybody know that name? Of course not. There was this dude, had a show on public access, right, with a chalkboard behind him, and he gave these amazing and in-depth teachings on the Bible. He did this very thing, would do the research. I met one guy in my life who actually knew Les Feldick. Holly had an uncle. I'm like, you know that guy? Yeah. Gives these wonderful teachings. But you could tell he wasn't terribly concerned whether or not his audience understood what he was talking about, right? That was on us to figure out. He did the homework. He gave the report. It was on us to figure out. And so that is a goal when it comes to preaching. It's a good goal. But I think there's a better goal. The third goal is similar to the second goal. The third goal is to teach people the Bible. Again, very similar, but the emphasis is on comprehension. Not just giving your report, but trying to make people, help people understand what Scripture actually says. And so the pastor will do that work, will do that research, will do that study, and then present the passage to the people, helping them understand the intention of that passage, the point of that passage. That, my friends, that is a great goal in preaching. I love it. In fact, at least once a week, you will find me listening to that type of preaching because I love it so much. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. But (laughs) I do think there's an even better goal when it comes to preaching. And here's why I think that. Because when I look 
to the preachers of the Bible. I see them doing something bigger than just teaching people the Bible. When I look to Paul in his sermons that are recorded in Acts, when I look to Peter in his sermon in Acts 2, when I look to Jesus in his sermons, the Olivet Discord, the Sermon on the Mount, when I look at their teaching models and their teaching goals, I see what looks to me like an even better goal when it comes to preaching. And that is the goal of transformation. Transformation. This is the approach that I take to preaching. I would love to see you educated in the Bible. Education is key. I spent a lot of time and a lot of money learning the Bible, so I believe in education. But my goal when I stand up on a Sunday morning is, is transformation. You know, we look to Scripture, and what we see here is, is this call over and over again. I mean, Jesus uses his terminology. He says that we must, be, we must be born again. And Peter uses that same terminology. We must be born again. There's a transformation that has to take place. There's a dying to the old and a rebirth. I mean, Paul talks about this. We become a, a new creation in Christ Jesus, and the old us is gone, and the new is come. There's supposed to be this transforming thing, and Paul tells us that we're like the, that Jesus is like the firstborn among many siblings, and we're being reshaped, conformed into the image of Jesus. We're supposed to be transformed, growing, becoming more and more Christ-like. That's what's supposed to be happening in our faith walk, yes? One of the saddest things that I see as a pastor, are Christians who are just done. I'm done transforming. I'm done growing. I'm done becoming more Christ-like. I mean, give me a break. I've been at this for a long time. I'm just done. I'm good. Because transforming, changing, being conformed into the image of Christ, guess what, friends? It is wonderful, but it is painful. It can be painful to be corrected, corrected and reshaped. I mean, just that imagery that Paul uses being reshaped. Ugh, can you imagine being reformed into the image of Christ? It can be painful. That's one of the reasons why people, Christian people, can shy away from preaching that's working towards transformation and gravitate toward, towards something else. Once upon a time, I was... Uh, counseling a guy in our congregation, and uh, by the way, he left the church so I can tell the story. It's completely safe. Anyway, I was counseling this guy, and he was going through some uh, relational strife, okay? Not, not a romantic thing, not with a, a spouse or anything, just with a friend group. Um, there was some wrongs that were done. Um, there was a lot of hurt feelings. There was lack of forgiveness, and so I was counseling this guy. I met with him once a week for several weeks in a row, <clears throat> and by the way, I am not a counselor. I'm a pastor that counsels. There's a very big difference. If you've ever met with me for counseling, you know the difference, okay, right? And so I was meeting with this guy for several weeks and uh, just talking about the same stuff, forgiveness and letting go and taking responsibility for what you can do and just praying over the rest, knowing you only have control over certain things and let go of the rest and all this kind of stuff. And we would just meet and talk. And it started to feel like he was just venting. Like, well, this isn't really productive. Let's, let's actually make some progress. Anyway, so it just so happens as it timed out, I was about to give a sermon on letting go of anger, letting go of bitterness and forgiveness, and, and as far as you're able, be blameless. I was going to give a sermon on this very topic, and I thought, well, this is perfect. We've been talking about all these issues, and hopefully this guy will show up in worship, and he'll hear a sermon about it. Let's do this thing, right? 
And so I'm preparing this message, and I'm thinking about how this so perfectly lines up with what this guy is going through. And so Sunday rolls around, and as fortune would have it, he actually showed up and was in worship, and he got to hear this message. And I'm thinking, this is going to be great. And so I met with a guy a few days after Sunday, a few days after that sermon, and I'm thinking he's going to have some things to say. He's going to say, you know, Pastor, that, that really made an impact on me, blah, 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 whatever it is. You know, you expect to hear some kind of praise every once in a while, right? And so this guy comes into his counseling session. He says, you know, Pastor, I don't, I don't know why you preach like that. Excuse me? But listen, I just, I just feel like that's not an appropriate topic. I mean, couldn't you just preach for the book of Isaiah? I've been thinking a lot about Isaiah specifically, and I'd love to hear a teaching on Isaiah. Would you consider preaching about Isaiah? You know those moments in life where you just want to keep your face looking polite, but internally you're like, what? What is going on? This guy spent 30 minutes, give or take, ignoring what I was saying and wishing I was talking about something else. Why? Why? Maybe because it hit too close to home. We Christians, are you listening, Christians? We Christians can shy away from a teaching, from a sermon that hits too close to home. Oh, I don't want to hear about that. I want to hear about this instead, right? We can do this. We can do this. It's too close to home. So this guy had his criticism. This guy had his critique. He wanted to hear about Isaiah. And so I'm wondering, if you really want to hear a teaching on Isaiah, like we're in the golden age of finding wonderful, biblically sound teachings on this little thing called the Internet, right? And that's absolutely true for all of you. If we're talking about something on a Sunday morning and you have a desire to study something else, that's great. That should be happening. Christians, Christian people, listen, this 30 minutes or so, this, this is, should not be the end of our Bible interaction for the week, right? This is just one thing that happens during your week. And ideally, I'm talking about ideal friends, ideally we should be in the Word of God throughout the week. I mean, every day is the ideal to have that time. And so if there's something that we're talking about in worship and you really want to learn about something else, that's great. Go find a teaching. It's never been easier to find biblically sound teachings outside of the worship service. You're allowed to do that, right? Is my voice the only one you're listening to when it comes to learning the Bible? Well, get some more voices. Find some reliable sources and learn. Learn from other teachers as well. The other thing that occurred to me when this, when this guy asked me to preach about Isaiah is just wondering, how do you, how do you think this whole preaching thing works? Do I just kind of collect feedback from people? You want to hear about Isaiah? And you want to hear about prayer, and you want to hear about the end of the world. Do I take like a survey? Is that how that should work, right? Show of hands, everybody wants to hear about Isaiah, okay. Show of hands, everybody wants to hear about the end of the world, okay, great. Show of hands, everybody wants to hear about tithing, okay. Nobody, fantastic, and we move on. That's not how it works, right? That's not, that's not, how, that's not how it works. So how does it work? How does it work? How do you choose what to, what to speak about and what to address? Well, it's very simple, and it's very practical. You know, here we are, and I've told you that my goal is transformation. And so it's my job as pastor, as overseer, to know two things. To know where we are and to know what's the ideal. That's my job. Where are we as a church? What's going on in the life of our congregation? And where should we be? What's the ideal? And in between where we are and where we should be is a gap. And it's my job to speak to the gap issues. It's very practical. It's very simple. Yes, there is something 
that's supernatural and spiritual about this, you know, a discernment process, me going before God and praying over these gap issues, Lord, tell me, what is it right now that we have to talk about? What is it? But there's also something that's so utterly practical about this. Those of you who have stood up on this stage before, you, you know we've talked about this. One of the things that I encourage our guest preachers to do is say, okay, of all the things you could talk about, what is it you must talk about at this specific point in time? And you know what it's like. Everybody's been up here. That wrestling with God that happens. What is it? What is it that we need right here and right now? So there's really no mystery behind it. This whole preaching style, I didn't invent it. (laughs) I didn't come up with any of this, right? This here's where we are as a church. Here's where we need to be. Acknowledge the gap that when you're a member of a church like this, where we take this approach to preaching, talking about these gap issues, it can be challenging to be a part of a church like this. Because statistically, you are more likely to enter this space and hear about something that hits close to home, okay? There are other churches that go through like a a, a liturgy calendar, right? They just have the scripture lined up for them, and here's what you're preaching about, boom, boom, boom. There are some churches that just go through the Bible, beginning to end, and they loop back around and loop back around. But when we take this approach to preaching, you are more likely to walk into the space and hear something that hits close to home. Like I said, some of us Christians, we shy away from that. We shy away from that. So, fair warning. Once upon a time, let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, there was a guy, um, older gentleman, Christian guy, been around. He moved to a new town, started attending a new church. And the pastor at this church preached with the goal of transformation in mind. That's how he preached. And so this guy had never heard preaching like that. This guy was used to a, a pastor just opening the Bible and going through word by word, verse by verse. So this guy visits the church on a Sunday morning. He's like, what is going on with this preaching? Comes back the next week. The third week, he finally speaks up. This pastor, you mind if I ask you a question? The pastor says, sure. The guy says, why don't you preach biblically? Why don't you preach biblically? The pastor says, uh, could you define biblical preaching for me? The Christian man says, don't you, I mean, you're a pastor. Don't you know what biblical preaching is? Come on, guy. <laughs> biblical preaching is when you open the Bible and explain it word by word, verse by verse. He says, oh, okay, thank you, for, thank you for that definition. Pastor says, you seem like a guy, I, mean, I don't want to make assumptions, but you seem like someone who's very familiar with the Bible. Is that the case? The guy says, yes, that, you know, I don't mean to boast, but I've read the Bible several times, and I know the scripture pretty well, and I read it every day. Pastor says, are you familiar with Acts 27, where Paul gives that sermon on Mars Hill? Are you familiar with that? I says, yes, I'm familiar with that passage. Preacher says, oh, okay, would you describe what Paul is doing on Mars Hill as biblical preaching, as you define Biblical preaching. Christian guy says, well, no. See, that's, that's, <laughs> that's different, Pastor, because you see, when Paul is preaching on Mars Hill, he's preaching to a group of Gentiles, and they don't really know God, and they don't know anything about Jesus. And so what Paul is doing is he's trying to make a case for Jesus to a people who don't yet know Jesus. So it's not quite the same thing as what I'm talking about, preacher. Pastor says, okay, well, how about, how about Peter in Acts 2? Are you familiar with that passage, Peter in Acts 2, where he stands up and gives his sermon at Pentecost? I says, yes, I'm very familiar with, with, of course I know Acts 2, Peter giving his sermon at Pentecost. Yes, yes, I know that very well. Pastor says, would you describe what Peter is doing on Acts 2 as biblical preaching? 
man says, well, that's, see, again, pastor, that's not the thing I'm talking about. You see, Peter, he's talking to a group of Jewish people who had rejected Christ, and he's using the Bible. Yes, he is preaching from the Bible, not word by word, verse by verse, but he is trying to make a case for why the Israelites should receive Jesus as, as their Messiah. Pastor says, okay. Pastor says, how about Jesus? How about the Sermon on the Mount? Are you familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7? Would you describe what Jesus is doing as unbiblical preaching? And says, okay, pastor, you've made your point. Walks away. I think we might need to redefine biblical preaching. Because I'll look to the guys in the Bible who actually preach. They don't do the word by word, verse by verse. I think it's fantastic to hear word by word, verse by verse. I just think that's not what we see. I know that's not what we see from Peter or Paul, but from Christ himself, what these men are going for is a change. They make a case for change. They make a case for transformation. And that's why I believe transformation is the best goal when it comes to preaching. So let me ask you all a question. Whether you're a Christian or not, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> what do you people want from me, huh? What do you want from me when it comes to preaching on a Sunday morning? What do you want from me? Truth? I got three people for truth. Okay, that's good. I mean, let me ask you, do, do you want to walk into this space or listen online or however it is that you're listening to this? Do you want me just to tell you what you want to hear? Is that what you want from me? Do you want me just to affirm and just to validate, just to pat you on the back, that everything you're doing is great? Is that what you want? I don't think it is. I don't think that's what you want. Listen, if that is what you want, you can find that somewhere else. <laughs> I don't think you want that. If you wanted that type of thing, I don't think you'd, you'd be here with us. If you desire to have your ears scratched, then you can find that in different places. If you desire affirmation more than transformation, I think you're in the wrong church. If you desire validation over transformation, everything you're doing is great, you're a Christian, you're on the right team, validation, validation, validation. If you desire validation more than transformation, you're in the wrong church. If you desire education more than transformation, uh-oh, yeah, you're in the wrong church. And I certainly hope along the way you will be educated and that you will learn things, but not just for the sake of learning them. What about the application? What about the change that's supposed to happen? Too many of us Christians are content just to learn stuff and store it all up and do nothing with it. If you desire education more, transformation, probably in the wrong church. But if you crave transformation, if you aren't done growing in your faith, and if you desire to become more and more like Jesus, and if you embrace the challenge and the discomfort and the unique pain of being remolded into the image of Christ, then, my friends, you are in the right place. We, as one local church, we are not complete. We have not fully matured into our faith and guess what? We never will. 
there will always be that next step. There will always be room to grow. There will always be room to change and transform. And if you embrace this challenge of being remolded, remolded into the image of Christ, then you are in the right place. Those of us who are here, part of Hope Community Church, we will not settle for simply having our ears scratched. We will embrace this precious and unique pain of being transformed into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Father God, you're not done with us. We're not finished yet. Continue to challenge where we need to be challenged. Continue to guide, continue to lead. Father God, rebuke, correct where we need it. Father God, encourage us where we need those words of encouragement. Father God, help us to take a, a humble attitude to be open to ongoing transformation in our lives. Father God, we want, we want to become more and more like your son. Jesus Christ, just strengthen that desire in our hearts, strengthen that desire in our lives to be more and more like you, Jesus. Father God, continue to do your transforming work in our lives as individuals, but God, we also lift up this collective. As a church, change us, reshape us, remold us into your ideal. Let us never be finished growing in our faith. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.